Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is our part two episode of Wild at Heart. <laughs> yes, finishing it up. <laughs> Sorry. I would say, what? Cabrera's tip-tapping behind me. <laughs> <laughs> this is his first two-a-day episode, so he's a little confused because I usually... Know. You give him all the attention after the first episode. I know. He's like, aren't you done yet? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, teenage dogs. Yes. (sighs) Well, I thought I'd start off with the funniest little piece of serendipity that I heard today because I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, which I've recommended on here before, page seven. They have a section of their podcast where they talk about rumors, you know, Uh I think it's I don't really know, but like the gossip mag, I think page Mm -hmm. six is where they have like blind items and they had a blind item about Nicolas Cage that cracked me up. They were like, this is a real blind item from a real publication, (laughs) but apparently (laughs) the latest one is that Nicolas Cage hired some scientific boy, well, boy, man, scientific person young person Uh to build him some sort of a temporal location device and he (laughs) went presumably to the future found out that one of his relatives was going to become like evil (laughs) hitler-esque type of a person and is now back and depressed because of it (laughs) (laughs) wow what a what a story craziest thing you've ever heard This is a real, uh, real blind item. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would be like, sir, if this is true, why aren't you stopping this relative? If he's going to be that mad. this well, is. If we ever hear of Nicolas Cage killing someone, we will know why. <laughs> I was like, you know, that'll be the ultimate Sophie's choice. Like, is he crazy or is he? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he can stop it some other way. <laughs> anyway, I just thought it was so funny since we were about to record this podcast. I was like... <gasps> That is so funny. It's the craziest blind item I've ever heard, and it pertains to Nicolas Cage, of course. (laughs) Yes, the scientific man created time travel, (laughs) but just for Nicolas Cage. That's it. Yes, (laughs) private. Oh, gossip. Well, there's how we're starting this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Perfectly (laughs) apt for a wild movie. (laughs) Yes. Uh, wild at heart, weird on top. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk about the second half because me too. It's like a whole new thing, <laughs> almost. <laughs> I mean, it's like the same it movie, is. but a whole new cast of characters, practically. Yeah, that was like one thing I kind of did like about this movie is that like because I remember seeing that Willem Dafoe was in it, but we don't really we don't see him till the second half, and I'm like, where is he? Yeah, <laughs> and all these other characters make their appearance in the second half. And it does have a completely different tone, in my opinion. Yeah, because before this, they were just kind of carefree. They didn't know there was all this trouble behind them, but now they're starting to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's catching up. Yep. <laughs> but let me look through my notes and see if I've got anything, because I was watching some of the special features, and I did watch one, which I thought was really interesting, that was by the author, Barry Gifford. Oh who actually goes on later to write an episode of Hotel Room with David Lynch and Lost Highway, which is one of my favorite David Lynch movies. And also kind of has a feel like this one. It's like, oh, of course, if anyone was going to write, you know, Lost Highway, it would be the person who wrote Wild Heart. (laughs) Heart. (laughs) Yeah. 
So he was saying that he would get the question, what do you think of what David Lynch did to your novel? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he always responds, he didn't do anything to my novel. He adapted it into a film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, we've watched a lot of novel adaptations on this podcast. And I think that people who love a book have a tendency sometimes to be like really nitpicky about having all the details of a book. But really, we've learned that it's really better to have multiple adaptations because you can find what is really what you're saying is what's important to the person who made that movie, not like the definitive take on the book. It's what did the person who adapted find important. And I would say, obviously, the love story of Lula and Sailor is like Mm -hmm. the major thing, probably the idea of like being out on the road and since I don't know a lot about the book, but I know that it's set in a kind of a nebulous time period, but I think it's got Mm -hmm. a lot of 50s, 60s-ish time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely set in a more contemporary time than the novel. Yeah, that's kind of like how I always view, especially with like, I feel like we're in like reboot culture where a lot of things are getting rebooted and everything. And I almost in a way wish a lot of these things had, instead of, you know, just being rebooted to kind of, bring back that nostalgia and kind of to make money. They were like having a more artistic approach. And cause I want to see like different people's takes on yeah. a certain piece or like different interpretations of like this one aspect of it. And it could just give you this totally different vibe. Yeah. Yeah, people need to be more open. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the movie is the movie and the book is the book. But I think maybe it's also like, Probably a lot of people are, and you just hear about the people mm-hmm. who aren't happy. Yes. Who, who's um, the loudest? Yeah, exactly. As with everything in life. <laughs> okay, so what Barry Gifford was saying, like, he did film everything that was in the book. He just also filmed stuff that happened off the page of the book. Like, yeah. stuff that was, like, implied or thought of. And the book actually ends where Sailor goes off after prison. Like, at the end, it doesn't have the happy ending, but, like... David really wanted it to be a happy ending. The executives really wanted it to be a happy ending. But he didn't, like, just make it a happy ending. He called him and said, because he's, it was, it's a series of books. There's, like, eight books. Oh, wow. And I believe he was working on the second one, I believe, when David Lynch called. He was like, do they eventually get back together? And he's like, of course they do. So (laughs) he made it a happy ending. Which is perfect. I always think of David Lynch as not having happy endings, but I'm pretty sure so far every single one of his movies have had a happy ending, except for all of them so far (laughs) in their own way. I mean, Eraserhead is continuously happy, but he seemed happy at the end. Yeah, he seemed happy. And Blue Velvet may not have been real, but it also seemed like she was happy. (laughs) Yeah, she seemed in a much better position than she was before. (laughs) Yeah, and I would say this one has a genuinely happy ending. Yes. Yeah, so he's got like a very healthy view of the adaptation process, Barry Gifford does. He said that he personally spent a lot of time in the South and was left alone a lot as a child and lived in hotels a lot as a child, so he watched a lot of TV. (laughs) And yeah, I think I said last time that David had asked him to write the screenplay. Oh, David, he wrote it in a week. (laughs) That's crazy. And the character of Perdita, who we haven't met yet, which... I believe means loss in Spanish. I'm sure I've written down somewhere else, but <laughs> she has her own novel. <laughs> I was like, whoa, right. that's kind of crazy. And there's actually a movie 
of that novel. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that. Not the movie, I think, but... <laughs> yeah. I think I have that written down somewhere. It's called Dance with the Devil. It came out in 1997. It stars Rosie Perez and Javier Bardem mm. and James Gandolfini. It doesn't really sound that great, but some people seem to love it, according to the reviews I read. <laughs> it's got a pretty like decent rating. I would say it's, it doesn't have like a horrible one. I looked it up and uh, Perita is Italian for Lost. According yeah. to Google, <laughs> if it's not Italian, whoops. But it yeah. told me it was Italian, which Isabella <laughs> Rossellini is, you know, the Italian. True, true. Who did I say was who played her in that movie? She's not. Uh, Rosie Perez. Yeah. Which is, she's not Italian, but <laughs> who knows? But uh, Sailor and Lula have eight novels altogether. Wow. He, I did, he was saying some stuff in the interview process about how when he was growing up, he really appreciated, like, female and gay authors the most like you know without even really realizing it but it's because they have uh, a lot of sen- more sensitivity in their writing and he really endeared himself to me with that comment <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah i was like maybe, maybe i should read these books <laughs> yeah i was like maybe they won't be as like uh you know machismo kind of sailor-esque as maybe i thought they would be well i mean sailor comes across really not yeah great and actually the books are written from the perspective of like they're written by pace like oh that's cool yeah that's so interesting yeah okay so yeah uh there was like a a making of which was really where i learned that diane ladd was (laughs) the mother of lord (laughs) and david lynch was talking about how wizard of oz just kind of kept making itself a part of wild at heart like he didn't intend necessarily for it to be like a major through line but it just was like well, it just keeps feeling like I need to put it in. And so mm-hmm. it just kind of made itself a part of it. Apparently, <laughs> Nick Cage at the time was a method actor. And Laura Dern uh-huh. says that they both kind of stayed in their character for like the nine weeks that they were filming. But Nick Cage says that this is where he learned that he couldn't be a method actor because David Lynch was so apt to like throw in a new scene at a you know moment. So right. things were just constantly changing. So he couldn't like just stay in character the same way the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> also, David Lynch let Diane Ladd experiment with ideas for her character. And he loved most or all of her ideas, it seems like. <laughs> Laura Dern and, her, and Diane would joke on set that they would never need therapy because they are already getting to play out all sorts of crazy stuff on screen. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're preemptively working through any issues they might have. <laughs> <laughs> and they thought it was really special to act together because there's no lying, which I think I said in the last episode. Mm. And I guess maybe it wasn't the same sound design, but Randy Thom, T-H-O-M is what I've written down, did the mm-hmm. sound design and he had like lots of, obviously lots of fire sounds <laughs> throughout apparently david wrote and created that bobby peru fuck me scene on the day (laughs) Uh, wow (laughs) yeah that's a scene and crispin glover said that he had never been directed as specifically as he was when he shot the sandwich scene so i guess david lynch was very specific about what he wanted he had an image in his mind. Yeah, he wasn't as specific when it came to roaches in the pants, though. <laughs> and I thought this was really interesting. Okay, so originally in the scene where Johnny 
is killed, mm-hmm. Grace Sabrisky had a big monologue that ended up getting cut out because, like, there's this big monologue and then he gets shot in the head and there's, like, brains in the original version. Whoa. And it ends with, like, the sexual culmination between Grace and the other guy. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, I can. It's something like that. I'll, I'll put it up real quick. Okay. Reggie. Reggie. But the test audiences, like, rebelled. <laughs> when they got to the scene. <laughs> and one of the screenings, over half the audience walked out. <laughs> Good Lord. Really? Yeah. And David leaned over and said, I think we lost him. <laughs> I think we lost him. <laughs> and, but he says, you know, like, testing audiences is like a part of the process, ultimately, to getting the movie right. So I thought that was just right. really interesting. You know, like, he pushes it as far as he can. And then he's like, okay, mm. well, that's too much, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Dern said her favorite scene was the one where she couldn't find anything good on the radio. And... Diane Ladd said she received an Oscar nomination for the film, so she was rewarded tenfold for what was already one of the greatest pleasures of her life. Wow. She really loved it because I think she just felt so, like, creatively free to create this crazy character and get to, like, embody this crazy woman. She did such a great job. Yeah, and I I remember watching an interview with her and her talking about the bathroom scene with Nicolas Cage and how young he was and how she was talking about like positioning of the acting and how who has the power and she just seems so like knowledgeable and so like she is so passionate and like to create a character like this you have to be a very specific kind of person i think she is just that kind of person who is just so good at what she does yeah and then there was also a little bit about david lynch and you know, people being interviewed about him specifically. And of course, they're like, you know, <laughs> he's never going to make an ordinary film. And right. everyone is always very happy on his sets. And they always know that they're safe with him as a director. And the only thing is you just have to be willing to suspend reality and not always have the answers to your questions. Right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and he definitely was up to his usual tricks of like making his own props when need be like he made a lamp in the scene the hotel room in whatever that big tuna (laughs) (laughs) yes big tuna (laughs) and oh also he david lynch directed one of the second of the music videos for chris isaac's with yeah. um, uh, wicked games. Wicked, wicked games and it's been covered oh yeah this is one thing it's been covered by so many artists and appeared in so many movies and tv shows that dazed magazine questioned whether it may be the most influential love song in modern music wow i do <laughs> and love i have heard it and like i hear it and i think like i think it was in foxfire you know like just mm-hmm. a bunch of different random movie scenes pop in my head when i hear that song but this is the original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like the mu- the music video for that. The main one, at least, is like very popular because it's like him and I don't know, was it Linda Evangelista or one of the supermodels of the time? And it was just like a very like sensual, intimate, black and white, like I never spicy knew music Isaac video. song because, you know, I know nothing about music usually. <laughs> popular music. <laughs> and... Chris Isaacs, I knew was in like Firewalk with me, but I didn't I mm-hmm. really put together like, oh, this is the kind of music Chris Isaac does. <laughs> I guess well, I always thought it was kind of like a like so, a Henry Connick Jr. type. So no, he's more actually like 
classic Elvis in a way. Like he's more like rockabilly. So, um, and this song is kind of like a weird, like it's like sort of in the vein of that, but a little bit more modernized. And it got really, mm-hmm. it's because I, I do love this song. And I was like, oh, maybe I should go down to Chris Isaac's like rabbit hole. And I was like, oh, this is all completely different. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but it's very Elvisy, which fits for the movie. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was just reading over because I found out about the, when this was in the Twin Peaks timeline mm-hmm. from John Bernardi because he wrote me when we said, said it wrong, you know, saying that uh-huh. it might have affected the second season of Twin Peaks because apparently it's like a big miss, miss idea. <laughs> misunderstanding. <laughs> misunderstanding in the fan community as to like when exactly this was made. But also around this time, but uh, Mark Frost was working on Storyville possibly during the second season. So that might have had some effect on it. But mm. Industrial Symphony Number no. 1 is some sort of art installation project that David Lynch did. And it has like Julie Cruz and Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage. And I think that it was filmed at the same time. So I have found that on YouTube. So we'll definitely have to cover it someday, assuming it doesn't like disappear forever or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> we can only buy the DVD. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I have for next. <laughs> awesome. Super cool. So we start on the second half. Yes. We've got quite a bit of craziness to go. Yes, we do. Okay. So we were just really in the middle of it now <laughs> when Lula <had laughs> realized that her mother was responsible for her father's death. Okay. So they we go back to the hotel room. We see Mama and Johnny are going back to their rooms to pack so they can go out on the road and find them. But she goes in alone to her room and he goes back to his room. And when he gets there, he immediately gets knocked out by someone. Oh, Johnny. Yep. Meanwhile, in the desert, the kids see some clothes in the middle of the room. And they quickly realize that it was actually a really bad car accident. They kind of pull over and look around. A couple of people look very dead on the floor. Very dead. (laughs) Covered in blood. (laughs) Yeah. And then we see Cheryl and Finn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) she comes up to them she's definitely seems out of it at first she's kind of screaming and she's she's looking for someone and she screams for robert and then she sticks her finger in her head wound (laughs) that was the worst and she kept moving it (laughs) yeah but she seems fine like up until a point you're like oh she's actually very injured but she seems like kind of not fine fine like mentally but like Physically, she seemed kind of fine. Like yeah, she was able to walk around. Um, she just seemed yeah. like she was in shock. Exactly. Like she's looking for Robert, but then she starts bleeding worse and collapses. And she like she just dies right in front of them. Yes. Lula is very upset, and they take off. But I will point out just one little inconsistency: is that uh-huh. the background in that scene is all Joshua trees which I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure do not grow in Texas. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think so. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> How'd they get yeah. to California? And then they're in Texas. And I'm like, they're not in California. <laughs> I think the 
the hotel they filmed at in the beginning is also in California. <laughs> yes, as many things in the movies are, I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so then we're back to the hotel. Marietta is upset that Johnny isn't in the lobby. And she's yelling at possibly the manager. And there are three adorable, barely mobile old men in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> All of which I'm pretty sure have been in David Lynch movies or oh, Twin Peaks sure. before. <laughs> I, I recognize at least one of them for sure. But I was like, old men? <laughs> <laughs> like this is right up Maya's alley. God, there's been so many of them lately. There always are. <laughs> uh, so one of them gives her a letter. And it says that Johnny has gone buffalo hunting. Mm -hmm. And she seems to think that he was afraid and split, which ugh, I think she's just lying to herself. Yeah. And then Santos comes in and clears out all the elderly men. How rude. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells her to stop crying, that she's his girl now. Ugh. And he's honestly, he seems strangely unmenacing for all of his like any window <laughs> he just doesn't yeah. really seem very menacing to me <laughs> no and i wonder if it's like are we seeing it through her like <laughs> maybe biased eyes where she's like he doesn't sort seem of to be wanting to get his hands dirty though you know like no which i mean that. you know he was like she was like you didn't kill johnny did you and he was like oh i didn't kill johnny no i mean clearly he did not his goons <laughs> right did. right mr reindeer's goons even right so anyway, but he knows that the kids are moving through Texas and she tells him that he's the only one who always came through for her. <laughs> Marietta. <laughs> She's a mess. Okay. And then I said, cut to a woman, namely Grace Zabriskie, screaming in her face. <laughs> what a very jarring scene. <laughs> Actually, it's Johnny's face. He has tape over his mouth and there's like a lipstick print on it. And when she talks, it sounds very demonic. <laughs> yeah her voice is like very different i have had a tendency over the years to get her and who's the woman from the exorcist linda blair not linda blair the mother oh uh, ellen uh, burston um, yeah yes <laughs> i always get grace zabriskie and ellen burston mixed up like i always think ellen burston is grace zabriskie <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes i'll think grace zabriskie is ellen burston but um Anyway, yeah. Okay, so mm -hmm. there's there's lots of like intense and drugged seeming kissing between her and Reggie, and I base I had to go back and put on the subtitles for this scene because I could not understand what was going. <laughs> couldn't understand what anyone was saying. Yeah, me too. But it's stuff like they're hunting buffalo now, so I guess this is the buffalo hunting. Remember ten, and then there's a gun, and they show him a santos emblazoned ring or bot yeah it's like a symbol <laughs> yeah and then oh yeah so then she counts to 10 and reggie pulls the trigger we do not see brains and there's no sexual no. combination at the end <laughs> <laughs> but originally that's what was supposed to happen okay so we're really weird scene S sad for johnny he wasn't really even that big of a character but mm -mm. halfway mark, you gotta go. We got new villains. <laughs> we got new crazy <laughs> shit to happen. <laughs> so we cut to sun up, and the kids are still in the car. They are entering Big Tuna. And 
they pull up to a house that makes me think of Carrie Page, which you do not know who that is, but someday nope. you will. And there <laughs> is some extreme orchestral music. <laughs> And a blonde Isabella Rossellini comes out. Hmm. And Sailor wants, I guess it's just Sailor in this scene. Like, Laura Dern is, or Lula is at the motel already. Yes. But a blonde Isabella Rossellini comes out. Sailor wants to know if there is a contract on him. Because apparently they had some sort of agreement that if either of them had a contract on them, they would tell each other. And she does inform him that... Marietta and Santos killed Lula's father at mm-hmm. this point, but she says she hasn't heard of a contract on him. Liar! I know. I was <laughs> like, you can't trust her. No. It's amazing how different she looks. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, well, because like she has the blonde hair, the very, very bushy eyebrows that are kind of like almost meeting. Yeah. And the she really just lo- dark roots. Yeah, she just looks like a completely different i'm always used to seeing her as like this almost like very shiny like black hair and very like i don't know like almost like statuesque because of blue velvet and because of death becomes her so it was like a very different kind of vibe for her definitely okay so he goes back to the or he goes to the hotel room it's very dirty because well it's dirty but also lula barfed so it's really gross (laughs) and she didn't clean it up gross i know i was like I put Lula barfed brackets. She must be pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So can't throw up in a movie as a woman without being pregnant. Apparently not. (laughs) She is afraid that seeing that girl die jinxed them. Hmm. And Sailor gives her a candy necklace that she says she'll save forever. (laughs) But if she ever does eat it, she'll think of him when she does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that night, they go hang out with some locals. Yeah. She's wearing, like, a lace, like, halter top, basically. <laughs> yeah. Almost like a, what do they call it? Like, um, almost like a lace bisuit, but, like, just the top half. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those moments where I was like, she has perfect faith and trust in Sailor. <laughs> she's just like, yes, that I she's think twice about, you know, <laughs> wearing, but, you know. They're from like a porno next door, so who cares? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so they, they're just like, I guess, hanging on the courtyard of the hotel, the motel. Yeah. They talk about the crash they came across. And one guy says he knows the people who were in the crash and that they deserve to die. It's like Jesus. And that guy I looked up because I was like, he looks very familiar. And he has been in other David Lynch stuff as well. Huh. Um, he did have that one stuff. line. Oh, really? Yeah. He had this one line about like, because one of the guys' names was like William or something. He was like, Bob deserved to die or something. I was like, Bob. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm just pulling at anything. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, there's so many reoccurring themes in David Lynch. Yep. Okay. And then <laughs> the others are like, when you live in Big Tuna, you got to have a sense of humor. <laughs> Jeez. A very, very dark sense of humor. Seriously. And then... Pete, the obligatory Jack Nance appearance. <laughs> Yay. He says that his dog barks some. And he says, you may picture Toto, but his dog is always with him. So that's a Vaz reference. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of dog references in David Lynch as well. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's also like part of that Americana, like man's best friend, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because like oh, rabbits... There's like that whole dog barking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. I forgot. I wonder if that. he saw a dog like attack an animal once 
or something. Yeah, there's gonna be something. I've never heard maybe, talk about it, but maybe they had like hunting dogs or something. That um, dumb land has a prominent dog as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, so uh, also he talks about how they're shooting a porno next door, <laughs> and we see the cast of the porno presumably coming out yes. naked. <laughs> And partying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Bobby Peru, aka William Defoe, comes in. <laughs> the worst. The worst thing. This reminded me of in Blue Velvet when that other, like, the kind of more menacing yet less menacing yet more menacing Roy Orbison crooner comes in yes. to Blue Velvet. That, that's kind of what Bobby Peru reminds me of. <laughs> yeah. He almost like has. David Lynch almost has like this energy of like when you know like the main bad guy comes in, it's almost like final boss. <laughs> like this yeah. is no one, you know, yeah. always know. He's kind of like a cross between the guy I was just describing and Dennis Hopper. Like the two of them yeah. put together. <laughs> yes. Because he's like very menacing, but he's also like got that non-menacing menacingness to him you know he's kind of like just like uh yeah he's i'm like you definitely can tell he's a bad guy but he's also probably not the smartest oh definitely not but we will see (laughs) (laughs) okay so he but he comes out he's he was in the marines in vietnam and he seems very sensitive about it. He's got very ugly teeth. David Lynch was very excited oh about fitting William Defoe for those teeth. <laughs> Great William Defoe. Uh, uh, gross. I don't think William Defoe is in any more David Lynch. I think this is maybe the only thing he was in. I believe so, but I will silently check. <laughs> It'd be kind of hard to tell. But um, he doesn't stay very long in that scene. Mm-hmm. Lula and Zaylor go back to their room. When they're back in their room, Lula is remembering her rape again. And then she remembers a medical procedure, which is presumably, well, definitely an abortion. Yes. But also done in a very interesting way, because, like, it's just her face lighted in, like, a magnified mirror. And mm-hmm. kind of, like, I think it's close-ups on the hand as well. And yeah. she has a realization and she decides that she needs to write it down because she cannot say it out loud and she writes a little note to him and says i'm pregnant (laughs) which (laughs) and then he lights and smokes two cigarettes at once (laughs) it says it's okay by him (laughs) she says that she's not sure it's okay by her though no. He actually does smoke two cigarettes at once in prison as well. And yes. there's a story about Laura Dern smoking two cigarettes at once and passing out and David Lynch being like, oh no, are you okay? Yeah. I think he <laughs> refers to her as like tidbit. Are you yeah. <laughs> like tidbit? Are you okay? <laughs> Which is really cute. Yeah. But I think also he referred to them as like their character names on set a lot mm-hmm. um, from what I could tell. So Yeah. So he says it's okay by him, but she's not sure it's okay by her. And they, she says, they broke down on the yellow brick road. And he promises not to let things get worse. <laughs> A promise, but she doesn't <laughs> keep it all. <laughs> no. <laughs> the next day, Lula is smoking in bed in some ruby slippers. <laughs> <laughs> and this scene is very disturbing. Bobby Peru comes in to use the toilet. <laughs> she seems very uncomfortable. He smells the puke, which is still on the floor. <laughs> was like, that was the worst. At least Sailor could clean it up. <laughs> well, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like it's saying something that you're just going to let that sit there. Like, there's obviously, that is a statement for something else that's going on because their relationship is, I mean, this is where things are starting to fall apart and they're like, you guys should have never stopped in Big Tuna. That is (laughs) the biggest mistake they made. (laughs) Okay, so basically, Bobby smells the puke, figures out that she's pregnant, and then he propositions her very rudely. And he grabs her and threatens to tear her heart out. And in a very, like, sexually charged, hypnotic scene, he, like, insists that she say, fuck me. And as soon as she does, he just kind of, like, laughs in her face and leaves. And she clicks her heels together and cries. (laughs) I know, that was sad. It was sad. Definitely, like, a very... uh, I don't know. It really says a lot about Bobby Peru, you know, like Mm -hmm. how manipulative he is, which I think is the point is to like kind of justify a sailor, you know, being talked around by him. So next Bobby goes to see sail, which sometimes he's called sail. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Uh, He offers him a beer because he's like changing the oil in his car or something. And he drives him away. So I guess they're going to a bar. And Lula, meanwhile, is having a breakdown in the hotel room. They go to an old country bar, though. And by the time we see them there, there's lots of empty bottles in front of them. (laughs) Peru is trying to recruit Sailor for a robbery. He uses the fact that he knows Lula is pregnant to, like, rattle him. And he says also that he thinks he should have some money because of it. And... He takes him outside. He shows him a gun in his trunk. <laughs> yeah, two of them. Two guns. He's very convincing in his way. And this scene, someone is watching again through the crystal ball. Hmm. And Sailor is definitely intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Day drunk is the worst. <laughs> it's the most chaotic, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes back to the hotel both him and Lula seem upset. Uh, she says that Bobby Peru is a black angel and he would regret hooking up with him. And then she, this is when she cries. This whole world is wild at heart, weird on top. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And she wishes she were over the rainbow. Oh. Oh, this is where I looked it up. Uh, Perdita means loss. And it's a character in Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Okay, because we're back with her. And Bobby Peru is there. And he sees a picture of Perdita and Juana. Juana the Mad, presumably, is also like a character and something. And Reggie is also in the picture. And she laughs about telling Sailor that there wasn't a hit on him. (sighs) Traitor. And Bobby thinks that he could have an accident during the holdup. Hmm. Meanwhile, Sailor is trying to convince himself not to go along with the robbery, but then Peru and Perdita show up, and he goes along. (laughs) While this is happening, Lula is laying in bed, smoking and crying, and possibly listening to the horse radio. It's hard to tell. (laughs) (laughs) I like that they have a horse radio, though. (laughs) I know. I was like, Wild West. (laughs) So they get to this... I don't know what it is or why they're it's holding like a it up. Feed but store. Yeah, like there's not going to be a lot of money in there. Well, apparently, well, according to Bobby, he said that they keep they always keep five thousand dollars in the safe. 
Uh, well, like, okay, okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess when you only have like $40 left, $2,500 seems like a lot. Okay. So they have pantyhose over their face. As soon as they go in, the cops show up and start questioning Perdita. And inside, Bobby shoots someone, much to Sailor's disappointment. And mm-hmm. then he says, Sailor's next. And Sailor tries to shoot him, but his gun has blanks, which is just mm. so Keystone Cops. <laughs> <laughs> Outside, Perdita runs into the cop and drives away. And then Sailor runs out of the building. And then the cop comes to and orders them down to the ground. The Sailor complies going down to the ground, but not Bobby. And <laughs> the cop shoots him a bunch of times until yeah. his head pops off (laughs) (laughs) yeah he shoots him like four times and he kind of falls accidentally on the barrel of his shotgun and then shoots his own (laughs) head off oh is that how happened i was a little confused it was very fast (laughs) but it was like you know a beach like a volleyball flying in the air (laughs) and slap proving that bobby peru is not as smart as he thought he was (laughs) exactly oh sailor is crying that he let lula down inside (laughs) dark comedy is happening where the workers that Bobby shot up are still alive and optimistic about their hands being able to be sewn back on. (laughs) Unfortunately, a dog leaves with said hand. (laughs) It's bloody hilarious. (laughs) They're just slipping and sliding everywhere. (laughs) And then uh, Sailor's back in jail. (laughs) (sighs) Sailor. Really moves along, you know, this Mm -hmm. movie. (laughs) Lula is in her own private hell. Her mother comes up and says that Santos will help take her home. This is like right after the trial, I assume. Yeah. And Laura Dern screams. <laughs> <laughs> she writes to Sailor in jail. Um, she says that she's keeping the baby and she's going to call him Pace. Good name. And then we cut to five years, 10 months, and 21 days later. <laughs> <laughs> and Lula is talking to her worse for wear mother. Ugh. Mama asked them, oh, Mama asked, then demands that she not see Sailor. And Lula tells her if she gets in the way of her happiness, she'll pull her arms out by the roots. Which is another <laughs> amazing line. <laughs> it made me happy because I was like, she has like finally like gotten to the point yeah. where she's like, fuck my mom. She's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she still seems to have a relationship with her. But I love that she's like, we can still be friends, but I will pull your arms out by the roots if you try to (laughs) stop my happiness. Okay, then she tosses her drink at her mother's picture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the sounds are like very booming. So Lula and her son are driving to pick up Sailor. They Mm -hmm. see an accident. So weird. They almost get into an accent too. <laughs> it's very gross. There's like another person there who's like, this happened to me. It's very bizarre. <laughs> and Sailor is waiting for them in a train yard that really seems like, is this, was this in Eraserhead? This exact train it's, yard? <laughs> it seems very Eraserhead to me. <laughs> Sailor has his snakeskin jacket and a stuffed lion. <laughs> and he shakes his son's hand and gives him a lion And he gets a smile and a nod of approval. (laughs) (laughs) I think we cut back to see Marietta freaking out. (laughs) 
Yeah. So they're all in the car. Lula pulls over because she just has to cry. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that she's like just overwhelmed or if she's just conflicted or if it has anything to do with her mother because we see the mother freaking out and then Lula pulls over to cry. How, whatever it is, Sailor interprets it as that he needs to leave because he says he will. And she's she says no. But she kind of seems to let him leave, although she does scream. (laughs) (laughs) She has to get one more out. (laughs) And then Sailor, this is a crazy scene. Sailor walks down the street and Mm -hmm. an empty street. And then several guys come out. And this is such an 80s, like... 80s gang yeah there was like a guy with like a red bandana on his head yes (laughs) gangs never existed like this except for in 80s movies right yeah so several guys come out they surround him uh they knock him out and leave him in the road he does call them a slur i believe he does (laughs) and then glinda the good witch aka cheryl lee (laughs) aka laura palmer (laughs) i was so excited to see her i was like oh my god yay I know. So perfect. She comes down in a bubble (laughs) and tells him that Lula loves him. She tells him to fight for his dreams. Don't turn away from love. And then he blows her a kiss. I was like, instead of writing this as a song, David Lynch put it in the form of Glinda the Good Witch. (laughs) Yes. And then he gets up. The guys are still there. And he's like, I've had enough. And he thanks them for teaching him a valuable lesson. (laughs) He apologizes for calling them a slur. And then he screams for Lula and runs off. (laughs) He apologizes for calling them homosexuals. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Because he calls them the F word. Yeah. And then uh, actually, I think I saw that this scene was in some documentary about the use of like gay slurs or whatever. Yeah. The celluloid closet. Yes. I've never seen it, so I don't... Well, if I have, I don't really recall it. Then we see Mama weeping. (laughs) And then we see her photo in the frame that Lula threw the drink at. Melts away, a la the Wicked Witch of the West. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) Even with the smoke coming out. It was like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was like, is she just gone now? Or is it just like... I'm guessing it's symbolic, but... Then Sailor runs across a bunch of cars stuck in traffic (laughs) across the top of them until he gets to Lula and they embrace on the hood of her car. Pace smiles and then he sings Love Me Tender, which she's been waiting for this whole movie. I wish you would sing me Love Me Tender. Um, As the credits roll, like literally he's singing it over the credits. (laughs) And I said, this movie is silly and I really enjoyed it. Yay for happy endings. (laughs) Yeah, because like to me, that was like, because he was always saying like, I only sing that song to my wife. Like this was almost like I'm coming back, but then it's almost like a weird, like I'm going to be here forever proposal kind of thing. And it was really sweet. Yes. (laughs) I feel like this movie is david lynch's sense and sensibility because it's like <laughs> yeah. so over dramatic and funny but still mm-hmm. like very important and you know there's a lesson high stakes yes <sighs> and there's like a big passionate love story although there's much better than marianne and uh willoughby's yeah <laughs> much more adventure <laughs> still barking <laughs> okay <laughs> 
what was your uh favorite part of the second half oh gosh um my favorite part i would say oh my god i can't do you have yours do you want to go first <laughs> um yeah i i think i really enjoy the the ending like after he goes to jail I can't say that the big tuna part is my favorite part of the movie. Me so neither. I definitely enjoy all how it gets so like over the top and Wizard of Oz and mm-hmm. the picture melting and Glinda the Good Witch coming down. Yeah. And the happy ending. I always love a happy ending. So yes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely enjoyed like just the overdramaticness. <laughs> I like ending a movie and being like, that's a silly movie. And I loved it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, I think my favorite was the just the whole Cheryl Lee appearance as Glinda the Good Witch because that whole yeah. scene was like because it was so like you know obviously ridiculous he's like knocked out daydreaming and it was just great I loved it yeah 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 you know it's funny because the first half of the movie is like you know them on the road them having lots of sex them getting along and meeting crazy mm-hmm. characters and the second half is like oh the struggle is real and <laughs> deal with the consequences of bad decisions that we make and mm-hmm. who do we trust life catches up yeah. <laughs> i really like this movie <laughs> me too okay well shall we sort lula yes <laughs> Okay. I would. I my initial impulse is to call her a Sagittarius or possibly a Leo. Okay. Just Sagittarius because of just like you know how willing she's just willing to go with the flow, and I feel Mm -hmm. like Leos are a little more like my way uh, because they're a fixed sign. They're they're a little more like like can we just stay here and not drive across (laughs) the country? (laughs) I do like the Sagittarius. I don't know why, and maybe we can do this as her. Her next sign, like, um, was it, do we usually do her sun or her moon or her moon, right? Usually what we do next? Yeah. I, I feel like she's got definitely some water because she does seem to be the more emotional of the two. Yeah. And she kind of just lets them a, go. Yeah. I would say she's a Pisces. Lady. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe like a Scorpio Venus. <laughs> yes. And that's like their like very strong connecting. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of like an Aries rising, you know, like connected mm-hmm. to him that way. If he's an Aries, she's got Aries rising. But I think she's like a Sagittarius sun and the Pisces <laughs> moon. That's like double mutable signs. And I just feel like she's definitely got like mutable energy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> she's just so willing to be like, sure, let's do this craziness. Yeah, there's never really. I trust you. Yeah, I would say there's never really a second thought given to <laughs> any plans they have. They're just kind of like, yeah, I guess that's what we'll do now. We'll go to Big Tuna. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like having them kind of have certain aspects the same. Like if mm-hmm. he's got a Scorpio moon, then she's got a Scorpio Venus, you know. Mm-hmm. Just very compatible. Yeah. <laughs> or an Aries rising with his Aries sun. Uh, because they are definitely, they're just a great love story, you know. They I really are. Appreciate that. Yeah, that was, I think, the biggest, like, shock for me out of this. Yeah. In a good way. So what about her D and D definitely chaotic. <laughs> yeah, I would say chaotic good because she's always trying yeah. to. She always has very good intentions. Very. I agree. I think they're yeah. both chaotic good. Yes, they're a chaotic good couple. <laughs> Chaotically good. <laughs> and now for what Jane Austen would she 
most connect with? <laughs> I think she would personally, I'm thinking Northanger Abbey. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I think she I think she would really feel like kind of a relationship with Catherine and that they're so like, um, what's the yeah. word? Curious innocent, about the world. Kind of, yeah. Innocent, don't really have like kind of real world expectations of people. And they kind of like yes. live these <laughs> a little bit over dramatic lifestyles. And... Yes, definitely. That's a great call. I don't know if she would think of Sailor as being like a Tilney type, but I could see her thinking that of him. I can't see him necessarily yeah. like connecting with Tilney, but I could see her yeah. connecting him to Tilney. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking of like their Catherine and his relationship and how he never is like mean to her. He's always very like sweet. And even like when she is like, your father killed your mom and she's just like, that's crazy. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's never yeah. anything bad. Yeah. It's almost like she doesn't realize that her mother is toxic until... Yeah. I mean, even till, And even when she does, she still has a relationship with her, so... Yeah. She's... I don't know if it's that, like, naivety or if it's, like, she needed someone <laughs> to support her because <laughs> she was pregnant. That could be it, too. I mean... You know, now that sailor's out, she will rip her mom's her mom's arms out so. by the roots. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. <sighs> Me too. Okay, well, um, was there anything to do? We sort them any other way? No, that's all right. I think that's like yeah. I think that's it. The main ones. I mean, they both be Gryffindor. Yes. Yeah, because they're so like full of passion. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Final thoughts on the movie. Um, I I was very pleasantly surprised. Not that I came in with any sort of like ideas of what I was getting into, but it just was like this perfect, like very like young person love story, like just very naive, very fun, silly. Yeah. And it was just fun to kind of like have all these like David Lynch people like making appearances here and there. It was a, kind of like a fun game. It's so fun to do this podcast and really think about David Lynch because on the surface level, it's so easy to think of him as like, oh, he does spooky, scary stuff. But like, mm-hmm. I feel like every time it's like, nope, it's a dark comedy. <laughs> every <Right>. time it's like, <laughs> it's over the top, fun, silly melodrama. It's not ever as dark as it appears to be, which is very right. interesting, you know? Yeah, the the dark stuff is always like, the surface level because it's very obvious and very blatant yeah it's just like mood (laughs) yeah 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 and then i just i love seeing more of his exploration of those americana themes yeah and i can't wait to like once we get through the second season of twin peaks and we can kind of do some of his later movies Mm -hmm. comparing them like to some of these earlier ones you can definitely see but i'm really interested to see how it evolves because i feel like there's a sophistication more to some of the later ones that not that well i mean wild heart is just it doesn't feel like a a sophisticated version like it's Mm -hmm. a really well done but like I don't know. There's just some sort of a, like a leveling up of like yeah. between this and Lost Highway. Oh, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get to <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when that will be. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days. We'll get to it eventually. And I don't think we'll have forgotten Wild at Heart by the time we do. Oh, because definitely not. It was just a fun. It was just such an unexpected ride. You know, like I mm-hmm. saw it a long time ago. And what I remember of it is there, but it's not like. 
I just remembered a lot of like sex and violence and there is sex and violence, but it's like, there's not even that much sex and violence, you know? No, I feel like, especially (laughs) like by nowadays standards, you know, there are things on it's Netflix no Tarantino and Tarantino movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that alone has more sex and violence than, and more graphic <laughs> violence than this does. I mean, you know, so. Yeah. It's not as like, even though th- there is a lot yeah. of sex because they're very connected to each other, but I feel like it's more like, it's not gratuitous. It's like they have a really good sexual relationship and we're just showing how comfortable they are with each other and how well they fit together. (laughs) It's never like, yeah, it's never like, you know, graphic or like, it's very intimate, very sensual, very like, and everything, like, it's never like you, you never see anyone's butt. Like, it's like, you know, everything is very (laughs) like covered by this blanket or, you know, yes, it's very much that. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed it. Was there anything else you want to say for your final thoughts? Watch the special features. I think, especially because this movie has so many like, you know, quote unquote wild performances. <laughs> it just, it's really interesting to see how these people all got to those choices and kind of talk about their characters. Cause they're all very like high level actors too. So it's just really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And David Lynch just, you know, he obviously creates such a great atmosphere with his work. Mm-hmm. His, the same people are always coming back. They, you know, it's never right. like I had a break with this person because we never got along again. Like he's still working with Mark Frost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like he's doing something. Yeah. I mean, I believe Sabrina Sutherland works with him still to this day, has been working with him since wow. Twin Peaks. So like just crazy. I really enjoyed it and I'm glad we did it. Me too. Let's move on to recommendations. Recommendations. I meant to remember what my other one was. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to go first? Forgot to remember. Yeah, you go first. (laughs) Okay. My recommendation this week is going to be a video game. I recently downloaded Hitman 2, which I did play the original on the Xbox, I believe. It was a long time ago. And the second one came out, I think, in 2018. But it was for free. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I am really enjoying this game. It's got a very like, you know, pseudo 007 spy, blah, 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 kind of storyline. But in this one, it's a little bit more like story-based. Like you're trying to figure out who like your, the background of your character, the past that they've taken away from you. And, you know, you have these missions where it's very like open world, where you go into this, like the, I guess you could say like the level. And there are like a bunch of different ways to complete the mission you just and you know so you you can like you know knock this person out and dress up as them and kind of go in disguise as them or you can you know poison people's food like you know what I mean like it's kind of like this really interesting game where you kind of take your time and like learn the character's patterns and kind of like set up your own way to complete the mission and it's really interesting I'm really enjoying it fun okay (laughs) (laughs) Did it not come back to you? <laughs> nope. Never remembered what I was going to recommend. I knew this was going to happen because when we do two and one. It always <sighs> slips. Yeah. I was <laughs> thinking last year there was a time 
right mm-hmm. when quarantine first started. I believe I recommended going to Etsy and buying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Specifically incense. But mm-hmm. I did not specify who you should buy it from. And <laughs> I have recently bought another batch of incense from this person because at Halloween time, they have all these special Halloween incenses that come out. Ooh. And they not only have all the best incense that smells the best and burns really great but there was like a mess up with my order so I wrote to them and they were so quick and responding and are really nice about it so that's awesome I'm gonna say if you like incense on Etsy it's called divine scent sations <laughs> <laughs> I love that <laughs> Yeah, it's just a really great incense place if you're at all incense. Second time I am recommending incense, but this time it's specific. Yes. <laughs> Not just general, <laughs> burn it if you like it. But yeah, <laughs> definitely the fall stuff all smells really good. I love like, I was just letting it dry out because sometimes when you get it, it's best to just like let it dry out and mm-hmm. it'll burn better. But with one of them, I think the like Samhain one, because mm-hmm. or the ha- basic Halloween one, has like a cinnamon in it and Ooh. everything smells like cinnamon. I was like, oh, it smells so good in here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love cinnamon incense. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> also probably <laughs> Dune because it'll be out by the time this is done. Yes. I haven't watched it yet, but. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch it. Assume I will want to recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it's Denis Villeneuve. He's French. Yes. Um, I, all of his movies are amazing. So I'm sure it'll yeah, be great. I could probably just recommend Arrival as well because yes. I love that movie. It's so good. Yes. I only saw the Blade Runner one time. Me too, but I've actually... But I did like it. Yeah, I really liked it visually, of course, because it's his type of movie. It's beautiful, but I've been having the itch to watch it again because I am, have been in a sci-fi mood lately. So I yeah. might be recommending it again. <laughs> watch the city of lost children it's not by him but for some reason maybe it's just a french thing (laughs) it feels apt yeah (laughs) okay well um next week we're gonna start on pride and prejudice 1995 (laughs) (laughs) colin firth jennifer l andrew davies a and e i believe quintessential jane austen adaptation and i just the other day was like looking at Instagram and realizing that I hadn't friended back a lot of the people who had friended us on there because <laughs> I suck at social media. So. And I was so I was refriend I was friending all of those people and suddenly a message came through that I guess was blocked because of not being friends with them. Mm-hmm. And it was from like August and they were like, are you going to do that Pride and Prejudice? And I was like, <laughs> Sorry, it took me so long to respond to this, but yes, we were about to do it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Perfect timing. Sort of. Yeah. So I'm very, so excited to watch that with you and record it. And it's going to be such a great, like just Thanksgiving, Christmas type of, um, it's six episodes, so it's like a month and a half that we'll be doing it. And yeah. we'll close out the year for us. Hey, I'm so excited to watch it just because it's like quintessential Pride and Prejudice and Jane so, Austen. It's just nice, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, Pride and Prejudice is already kind of like a nice book. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of like, oh, I'm so like, you <laughs> could be like, oh, God, everything's horrible. But, you know, even when things are going bad, it's like, oh. I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited. 
If you would like to write to us. Yes, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersandmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersandmadness.com. Yes, and we're still thinking about that Patreon. So maybe at the beginning of the new year, look out for it. Or Christmas, we'll see what happens. Yes. And uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Like, have a good. <laughs> Just say, have a good night, Maya. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> have a good night. <laughs> Bye.